This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 357. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. Happy March, everybody. We are starting off our March episodes with one of our Slug Club members. Welcome, Greg. Hi, everyone. So excited to be here. Awesome. And you're down in Singapore, where it is what time right now? It is 11 p.m. right now. (laughs) Well, thanks for staying up late. No, I'm always up pretty late. (laughs) This is fine for me. This is ideal for me, actually. Why is that? My work starts pretty late, about like 10 a.m. So, yeah, I usually stay up late on Sundays and yeah, it's all good. Cool. All right. Like getting the most out of the weekend there. Yeah. (laughs) Really squeezing out every hour. So we are going to talk a little news today and uh, we also have a discussion on potions. But first, we want to get Greg's fandom ID. What's your favorite book and film? Book Half-Blood Prince. Because I just love all the exposition on the Voldemort's backstory. I love hearing about the Gaunts. Film, I know this is a slightly controversial, but I'll say either Prisoner of Azkaban or Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix because it was the first one I watched in theaters. I know. <laughs> and Prisoner of Azkaban, I just really love the visual flair that Alfonso Coron brought to it. Yeah. What are your Hogwarts and Elvermorny houses? I'm a Hufflepuff and Elvermorny Thunderbird. Hey, twinsies. Nice, nice. Puff Pride. Yeah, Puff Pride and Thunderbird uh, Stomp or whatever it's called. How about uh, your, what's your favorite birdie bot every flavor bean? I'll go for a strange one. I'd say grass. <laughs> grass. <laughs> Just love the smell of fresh grass and uh, you really mm-hmm. smell it when you bite into it. I wasn't sure what kind of grass you were going for initially, but then you... Uh... The birdie bite grass, Micah. We're really strict on that in Singapore, so um, yeah, no other kinds of grass. How about your favorite potion? I'm going to go with Felix Felicis. It's just too overpowered. <laughs> you know, we always talk about how time turners are a bit of a plot point because they're so, they mess up the world so much. I think the same is true of Felix Felicis because why wouldn't any wizard just spend their whole lives trying to perfect the art of that and just succeed at everything they do? So yeah, that's my choice. It all use a little bit of luck these days. That's <sighs> true. <laughs> What's your favorite Harry Potter video game? I have to say the Lego ones, either years one to four or five to seven. Okay. Yeah, they're just great. Yeah. And finally, kind of a throwback here. What's your favorite piece of merchandise that you own? I'm not a big merchandise guy. I just don't really... It doesn't really appeal to me. For me, it's just the original seven books. And um, But my brother did get me a Hufflepuff scarf from The Wizarding World. So I, I like that. So what you're saying is that you don't have 900 Harry Potter books. No, no, I am not the Harry Potter collector. No. Greg, the last guy we had on had 900 Harry Potter books. So. Yes, I heard that episode. That was so interesting. <laughs> it was, it was. No, yeah, it was I, I don't have, have that on. kind of room in my house, unfortunately. Yeah. All the money. I was going to ask him about the cost of it, but I was like, eh, maybe it's a little too personal. I, I'll, I'll pass on. He invited us over. I think that's sort of a behind closed doors sort of conversation. Like, so how much you pay for all these? I was right. kind of wondering that the whole episode, but <laughs> right, yeah. I can see why you didn't ask. The nicest guy, though, and we received a lot of positive uh, feedback from that episode. So thanks to everybody who wrote in letting us know that that was interesting. We try and secure interesting guests including yeah. greg here i uh, just looked up the weather report in singapore and i'm a bit jealous i have to say it seems like it's a balmy 82 degrees fahrenheit over there 
it's always kind of boiling here. You get kind of get sick of it after a while. So let's talk about some news, and then we have a little bit of news to share ourselves. First, we'll stick with the main Harry Potter news. Another trailer was released for Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery. This is the upcoming iOS and Android game. It looks good. It still says coming spring 2018, but I just was a little underwhelmed during the Harry Potter celebration preview. So I'm my excitement is like not there anymore. I'm definitely going to play it once it's out because I'm curious if, if it's much better than the demo, but it was just so straightforward and just a lot of tapping in certain areas of the screen to advance as opposed to like any sort of skill. Yeah, it was almost wondering when I was watching the trailer if it was the same game that you and I had played down in Orlando. It it seemed a little bit different. The graphics are beautiful though. I really love the animation. It looks great, but and, and again, we did play a demo, so you have to give it time to get to the final product and and have it released. I'll definitely play it as well, but uh, I thought the trailer was very well done. It almost sounded like you were getting ready to go watch a movie. The voiceover was... uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Once upon a time. Yeah, Hogwarts. It's that same guy. I was actually wondering that. Did they hire the original Harry Potter trailer guy to do this? Because it certainly sounds like it. It did sound a little off, but it's definitely reminiscent. It's meant to be, you know... Another year at Hogwarts. It's it's definitely that same guy. You know, it's interesting. This is the first trailer. I saw it. I liked it. I thought, hey, this is a game I would absolutely play. I did wonder, though, at the end, I really felt like it shouldn't say Harry Potter on it. Because <laughs> I was like, wait, where's Harry? Like, did I just miss Harry Potter? This is the game that's set in the 80s, right? And the trailer really promotes familiar faces. Yeah, but I mean... Are they not going to? Uh, No, they're not not going to. But it wasn't conveyed in this trailer, I should say, that what I think is an appealing aspect of the game, right? They're cashing in on the whole 80s nostalgia, Stranger Things era type stuff. They failed to kind of indicate that this was before Harry's time rather than during Harry's time. And also, they seem to have left out what the mystery is. Like, there's nothing in this trailer about a mystery necessarily that you have to solve but the features look cool you can pick a character boy or girl pick a house and actually one of the slytherin students looked a lot like tonks that was my only other comment one of the slytherins tonks is in the game as is bill weasley yeah well right but uh whoever it was in the slytherin robes during the dueling scene in this trailer i thought oh, looked a lot like tonks i see what you're talking yeah, about i'm kind of surprised they didn't show bill and tonks in the trailer i mean since they made they such bill. a big deal out of it did they they show Bill, yeah. You do oh, see Bill. I must Bill. have missed him. He's the long-haired redhead. The problem is they're not familiar enough faces for us to be like, oh, that's Bill, or oh, that's Tonks. I mean, I guess Tonks, again, that girl with the purple hair who is in um, Slytherin that you duel halfway through this trailer is pretty Tonksy, but Tonks is very much a Hufflepuff like Greg and me. Eric mentioned the Hogwarts mystery. They did tell us in Orlando that there is going to be like a mystery that's going on over all seven years. Where have all the famous witches and wizards cards gone? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Here, let me play some of it. We'll get that voice we're talking about. An exciting adventure is about to begin. They said your name. The choices you make will define your Hogwarts story. What kind of witch or wizard will you be? (laughs) I wish I had that kind of talent. What, for voiceover? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Anyway, 
That's going to be out in the spring. You can now pre-register on Google Play. That's apparently a thing that happens over on Android. So, like, you'll get notified when the game is available, I guess. Oh, is it just for Android devices? To pre-register. Oh, to pre-register. Okay. All right. All right. I'm a little nervous there. Don't worry. You'll get it for your iPhone, Eric. Okay. We'll be out for iPhone. A little nervous here. (laughs) Time to tell you about one of our advertisers this week. From the network that brings you This Is Us comes the next great drama, Rise. From the producer of the acclaimed Broadway musical Hamilton and the producer of Friday Night Lights and Parenthood, it's an amazing new drama inspired by a true story. Tuesdays on NBC, when a dedicated teacher takes over a high school's failing theater department, he'll change the lives of seven kids and transform a town. The critics rave that Rise promises Glee-style musical euphoria and that it's a hit in the making. And Entertainment Tonight says, we haven't been this instantly smitten with a drama since we watched This Is Us. Rise stars Josh Radner, Rosie Perez, and the voice of Moana, Ali'i Cravalho. USA Today raves, Ali'i Cravalho steals the spotlight. You'll see why Variety calls Rise a hit in the making. Don't miss Rise, 9-8 Central, Tuesdays after The Voice on NBC and streaming now on the NBC app. In other news, Chris Child is fast approaching on Broadway and they've announced how you can get tickets for cheap every week or at least have the chance to get tickets for cheap they're bringing the friday 40 program over from the west end how this works is you will be able to enter a lottery beginning at 12:01 a.m every friday running to 1 p.m eastern on todayticks.com and then winners of the lottery will be notified between 1 and 5 p.m and then you will have the opportunity to spend $40 to see The Cursed Child. And they say you'll have access to, quote, some of the very best seats in the theater. Part one or part two or both for 40? 40 total. 40 total. So it's a good deal. And these tickets are going to be available for the consecutive shows, meaning the shows held on Wednesday, Saturdays, and Sundays. So 40 tickets times... Isn't that 10% of what we spent? (laughs) <laughs> it's a little bit um it's a little bit uh less i think yeah watch we're gonna sit behind people who like won the first friday 40 <laughs> and they're gonna, gonna be gonna... the tallest winners who've ever won the contest <laughs> yeah yeah so so a good number of tickets are going to be going on sale for cheap every week which is nice the friday 40 begins this friday march 9th yeah that's pretty cool i i like that um chris child's obviously going to be super popular and they're giving an opportunity for people who don't have a podcast, to afford to get tickets in good seats. And I think it's great for people who may be visiting from out of town. Obviously, a lot of people come to New York. If you have the opportunity for this sort of deal, I think that it makes things a little bit more affordable. Yeah. I mean, it's really, if you think about it, one of the more expensive Harry Potter experiences you can pay for. I think the theme park would rank as number one. Yeah. But I mean, I know people who submit to the Hamilton lotteries, not just one, but like three, I think there's one in Hamilton still in Chicago, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All three lotteries they submit to each day. And if they, the premise is if they win, the discount that they get on tickets is cheap enough that they can afford airfare to wherever they need to go. So if they think like they could win the Hamilton lottery, find out, travel that same day to New York and back to see the show. I'm just impressed that Greg knows that Hamilton's in Chicago. I think, yeah, what's up, man? I'm a what's super you... fan. Oh, okay. That's, that's kind of how I know. Have you listened to Weird Al Yankovic's podcast? Yes, that's of, of so Hamilton? good. Have you seen Hamilton yet? Maybe an illegal bootleg. 
Oh. <laughs> but um, the cast recording is pretty much the show, so that's all you really need. I've been entering that Hamilton lottery in Chicago. I haven't won yet, but I'm trying. Keep trying. Yeah, the lotteries are fun. If you really want to see a show, it's fun to... And of course, these lotteries are free to enter as well. It's not like a lottery ticket where you got to pay to play, so... All right, so we're going to get to our potions segment in a moment. But first, we have a little news here on the show. Today, we are launching the 777 Challenge. Seven is a magical number in the Harry Potter series. And for a while, we've been just under 777 patrons over on Patreon. So this platform, Patreon, has allowed us to keep the show rocking and rolling. So we want to hit and surpass 777 patrons so to encourage more signups we're launching this triple seven challenge if we surpass 777 patrons by march 31st and hold that number through at least may here's what we're going to do over the summer first of all we're going to do a two-hour live episode filled with call-ins as they come in it'll be reminiscent of that 12-hour live show exactly which is like 105 to 112 or something like that yeah yeah we'll bring on special guests we'll have a lot of fun with that that'll be a loose relaxed show we will do a movie commentary for the holiday this is my favorite perk this is my absolute like we brainstormed for weeks about this but this was by far and large like this is one of the first ones we thought about and it's by far the one i'm most excited about yeah the holiday's been a bit of an inside joke here or running joke here on the show and a better part about this is that micah really doesn't want to do it so that'll be even more entertaining to make him do the this movie commentary. Micah, let me assure you, you're going to fall in love with Jude Law just as I did while watching. He's a delight. He's a national, international treasure. Can't wait. And it also has Jack Black. Oh, in that case, we're good. We will also do another Harry Potter movie commentary, but we're going to let listeners decide which movie we do. We will host a poll, and then whichever movie wins, we'll do it. How many have we done, though? We've done a couple. We've done a couple, but still not all of them, which is crazy. So is it only going to be the ones that we haven't done or we're going to throw in everything? I think we've done Fantastic Beasts and DH Part 2. I think that's about it. So we have a lot to choose from. I think it would be smart to pick one we didn't do yet. Yeah, I, I agree. And then later in the year, all patrons who pledge $5 or more will receive a new MuggleCast mug. Get it? Mug cast. Mug-o-cast? This will be for the first 800 $5 or more patrons. So obviously we have around like 750 right now. So there's limited spaces available. If you want to get one of these mugs, sign up now and we'll have more details about that on the MuggleCast website. But we're also unveiling the design. You'll be able to see that on the MuggleCast website as of Monday. And they're really special. They're really, really, really super cool. And as a reminder, these mugs are the new year new you patron giveaway so they're free to everybody who's already signed up on our patreon but they are such a cool design that if you do want to get on them there's never been a better time to join us over on patreon.com slash yeah and now all these benefits will take place over the summer or later in the year but if you can't wait till then one of our final benefits if we hit 777 patrons is that in april we will host a live video stream on patreon where of the three of us after seeing The Cursed Child on Broadway. So we'll see it, and then either that night or the following morning, we will get on video and we will stream our thoughts. We'll finally get Micah and Eric's reactions to the show, <laughs> now that they will have properly seen it. And we'll have lots of coffee 
or maybe beer, depending on the time of day, and it'll be a lot of fun. It's hard to believe it's like six weeks away, guys. It'll also be a bit of a birthday party for Eric. Yeah, yeah, it will. And by the way, we offer so many benefits over on patreon.com slash mugglecast. You can listen to us uh, record live. You can be like Greg and get on the show. There's an exclusive Facebook group. There's chapter readings. There's bonus mugglecasts, which we're recording a couple of today. We offer a lot of stuff. I'm really proud of this Patreon. Patreon.com slash mugglecast is where you can pledge and help us reach 777 patrons. Yeah. So we have a main discussion this week as teased, which is, of course, uh, one that uh, we've brushed on here and there in the past over the past 356 episodes. But we're doing it again and in depth. Potions of the Wizarding World. So, yes, uh, we're talking about potions in the Wizarding World. Actually, this was one of the posts that came to Pottermore in, I think, when Pottermore was in its infancy and was just really wholly interesting. J.K. Rowling finally got to share her uh, thoughts on potions. Potions is a class that they have every single year at Hogwarts and um, really can accomplish a variety of uh, different things. So we'll start with a quote from uh, J.K. Rowling that I pulled, but it's just a sort of an overview. And she handles a popular question. She says, It is often asked whether a muggle could create a magic potion, given a potions book and the right ingredients. The answer, unfortunately, is no. There is always some element of wand work necessary to make a potion. Merely adding dead flies and asphodel to a pot hanging over a fire will give you nothing but nasty-tasting, not to mention poisonous, soup. Some potions duplicate the effects of spells and charms, but a few, for instance the Polyjuice Potion and Felix Felicis, have effects impossible to achieve any other way. Generally speaking, wizards and witches favor whichever method they find easiest or most satisfying to produce their chosen end. You guys, potions is kind of like the science and like pharmaceutical end of the wizarding world. Different ingredients mean and do different things, just like when we take medicine to cure a headache or a hangover, things like that. Fun fact, the Potter Collector actually collected all the potions as well. Did he? We just didn't get into that in the interview. Oh, I see. That's down in his basement. You guys can check that out when you go to visit. <laughs> it's, a, it's designed <laughs> like the dungeon. He actually imported the bricks from Scotland. But they're they're limited edition bricks. They're like uh, first edition, I should say. Rolling ads in her commentary. Uh, Indeed, I always enjoyed creating potions in the books and researching ingredients for them. Many of the components of various drafts and libations that Harry creates for Snape exist or were once believed to exist, and have, or were believed to have, the properties I gave them. Dittany, for example, really does have healing properties. It's an anti-inflammatory, though I would not advise splinching yourself to test it. A bezoar really is taken from the stomach of an animal, and it really was once believed that drinking water in which a bezoar was placed could cure you of poisoning. I believe it was a goat, wasn't it? Or am I making that up? Yeah, there was a goat. Yes, in in Harry Potter, I think the, uh, the Bezor is specific to goats. Just another reason to like them. Just one more reason. Just one more reason. I've actually been to a few Harry Potter events where they do like have goats. Well, <laughs> classes, <laughs> classes on like herbology and stuff, and it's really interesting. Modern science, a lot of what's in our 
prescription medication comes from plants and plant extract, and it's a whole thing. So potions is always one of those cool things where J.K. Rowling gets to sort of flaunt her intelligence and kind of how it all comes together, how the real world aspects coupled with uh, an imaginative magical capability can cause really cool side effects you don't normally see. Is anyone else kind of bummed that she revealed that potions aren't muggles unable to make potions though? Yeah, I am. I always felt like that was kind of a cool access point for us muggles to be able to do, to be able to access magic. And it's a bit, a bit of a bummer to know that we can't even do that. Did she give an explanation though? Is it just having that, those magical abilities that make potion brewing possible? Cause like you just like, Stepping back and looking at the big picture, these are ingredients. You're mixing them with a spoon. Well, yeah, she said wand work was necessary. Yeah, she said wand work was necessary. But I always thought it would be cooler if the magic properties came from the ingredients themselves. But I guess that's not how it works. Yeah, well, I think also a potion that a a wizard takes is going to affect a muggle way differently. I think there probably also is an aspect of like your body makeup, your blood. You don't have magic in your veins. A potion that would work for a wizard might make you sick. I think that was said somewhere else by J.K. Rowling. It still would be good for muggle relations, though, I feel, because what could happen is a muggle could brew with a witch or wizard together. So the witch or wizard comes in when they need to drop in the spells with their wands. But other than that... The muggle can mix the potions. You know what? I may be wrong because I just talked about how I think potions would affect muggles differently. But Merope Gaunt, who we talked about very recently, gave Tom Riddle Sr. a love potion and it worked on him just fine. So maybe I'm wrong about them trying it. But yes, J.K. Rowling says we can't make it. And even though we can't make it, let's talk about some of the potions. Actually, we have a list here of potions that we've seen in the Harry Potter series. And I kind of wanted to talk about each of them and just where we see them and sort of what their their properties are and what they do. So pretty good stuff. A lot of this is collated thanks to the HP lexicon, which is still plugging along and still has just an exhaustive catalog of Every topic that comes up in Harry Potter, it's pretty cool. Go and look at that. But we have actually a category here of physical alteration potions, potions that change your body, allow you to get some sleep and stuff like that. First up, we have the aging potion. This is a, a real fun one we've seen in, the in I think, Goblet of Fire. Fred and George in particular use this to try and hoodwink the Goblet of Fire into choosing them. Or actually, no, it's the age line that they're trying to get over. But unfortunately, Dumbledore has predicted that people might try and do this. And so even though they are physically aged beyond 17 years, for some reason, it doesn't work. I don't know. Yeah, I think we should just kind of breeze over, like go through, like mention all these and then just go into the questions and thoughts. Okay, that works out. Um, I will say the aging potion, I think Fred and George get in a little over their heads. It takes them weeks in the hospital wing to recover. Um, If you recall, it's like, and it's funny when J.K. Rowling says it, it's like, oh, you know, their beards haven't gone down yet or whatever. But the aging potion in particular is pretty strong. And to de-age somebody, it's not necessarily stated that there is a de-aging potion. Some of these potions do have immediate reversal potions like the swelling solution and deflating draft. But aging potion seems to have them up in the hospital wing for a while. Like Benjamin Button? Like Benjamin Button. Yeah, I don't know. 
you would think by law all of these should have remedies because it seems very dangerous for any of these to not have them, particularly the physical alteration potions. Yeah, but I think I wonder if Voldemort, because he changed his appearance like permanently, like I wonder if he took something that made him just like more crooked, more snake like anyway, and then just like intentionally, right, to like ruin or to transform himself that is something that he wouldn't have to take regularly. Fred and George should have just gone to uh, Imposter Moody. He could have easily just dropped their names in since he seemed to be uh, in that business. <laughs> should have bribed him with their Triwizard earnings. Or, um, but what's the value of an aging potion outside of trying to trick an age line so that you can put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Yeah, who wants to get older? Teenagers wanting to get into those wizarding clubs. Yeah, oh, is that it? That's what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go clubbing. By wizarding clubs, you mean like dance <laughs> like what kind of clubs maybe the bars do they have dance clubs in the wizarding world clubs that involve liquor the drinking age is lower over there anyway so man so some 14 year old you know really needs to yeah. drink i like this question i think we poked a real big hole in that. where else besides fred and george would we see an aging potion they're more lax over there anyway i mean the first time i was over in england i went to a club in a college town i was like 16 they didn't even id me I was underage. I was, I was drinking underage. I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then a girl tried to kiss me. I was like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> oh, Britain. <laughs> I got to say, like, I'm failing to come up with other ways people would use an aging potion. Yeah, my, my point being, you don't necessarily need an aging potion over there, in my experience anyway. But um, we also, in terms of physical alteration potions, we also have the beautifying potion, the calming drought. The confusing befuddlement drought, the drought of living death, a dreamless sleep. Those two are good. Yeah. A dreamless sleep, I think uh, a lot of muggles would enjoy having. Because sometimes you might be afraid of dreaming certain things. You want to avoid dreams because maybe they bring back bad memories for you or they give you a rough night's sleep. Yeah. If you're having a poor sleep quality, dreamless sleep is definitely where you got to go. Drought of Living Death, on the other hand, will <laughs> slow your heart rate. And uh, I mean, I, you'll also get a very deep sleep, but you might have some pretty weird dreams. Like if you just, you ever have the flu and take like NyQuil and you have those nights where it seems like they last like 36 hours, but it's only been four. That's totally what I imagine Drought of Living Death would be. Eric speaking from experience, it sounds like. Yeah, I always get the cold and flu and flu season. It's crazy. She get a flu shot. Uh, yes, yes. I uh, I try and do that annually. There's actually, uh, you know, next on the list, we have this uh, very one-time potion, just like the aging potion, but the Elixir of Life, which is made up from, we, we don't know exactly how it's made, would love to know, J.K. Rowling hit us up, but it comes from the Sorcerer's Stone. This is the the substance, it was listed as a potion, and I think that's right, because it is an elixir that Nicholas Flamel who we'll be seeing in some capacity in the upcoming Fantastic Beasts film, creates from the Sorcerer's Stone. And I don't know if he, like, rubs the stone in it or, like, has, like, a cheese grater and he grates the stone into the potion. I don't quite know. I mean, how do you guys imagine the elixir of life is created? I always imagine you being able to pour it out of the Philosopher's Stone, but I don't know. Maybe it's just an ingredient like any other. I want to see a half an hour sequence in Fantastic Beasts 2 of Nicholas Flamel just making the elixir of life. That'd be a great way to open it up. Like uh, like Newt 
like a, a split screen. Newt is preparing a, a potion, and then and Nicholas is as well. I want a Birdman style one shot sequence of it. I always imagine it like the Lion King on the rock with Simba getting held up. Like that's how they create the elixir of life. Like Nicholas Flamel goes out on a rock and holds out a glimmering red rock, and then it, I don't know. God comes down and gives him the elixir. <laughs> the sun hits the stone just right, and it projects a map of the nearest holy city. Elton John comes in. It's the elixir of life. I think it's pretty cool. I think that's probably exactly what happens. But that actually, that gives, literally gives immortality. It's, the, it's probably, I think it's safe to say it's one of the two rarest potions on the planet. Only one man is known to have it. Um, and I'll, we'll get to the other the other potion. Can briefly. I just say we need more of Andrew singing on this podcast? <laughs> I I really love the musical encyclopedia. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I need to continue that. I need to bring that back. That's going to be coming back in the next couple of episodes. I just have a feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're Can right. I'm making a little note the, right now. The seven 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 challenge. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. A to Z encyclopedia. <laughs> we should do a musical episode where all of us are just singing to each other the whole time. You know, like Buffy did it. I think Glee did it at least 300 times. I yeah. think Michael would call out sick that week. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I vote. <coughs> now I can't even speak. Uh, but with the elixir of life, though, I've often wondered, too, is there a component of it, especially if we're going to see Nicholas Flamel in Fantastic Beasts 2, that is tied to a specific beast. Like you think of a phoenix being this immortal creature, does his or her tears or blood or something factor into creating something like that? I think phoenix tears are a great idea of what would be an ingredient in a elixir of life. I mean, something like basilisk venom, which is so powerful that it destroys a horcrux, doesn't even hold up to phoenix tears. So between that and unicorn blood, as you mentioned, blood, Micah, but unicorn blood, of course, is cursed. I think either one of those, but more particularly Phoenix Tears, would be a darn good guess. And it could also make that connection. I mean, we've spoken so many times. I know there's a theory out there that Newt gives Fox to Dumbledore at some point. Maybe this all ties it together. Yeah. Maybe there will be another movie coming up with Phoenix in the title. It'd be pretty cool. Let's move on to another potion. This one may be the most commonly used potion in the Harry Potter series, the Polyjuice Potion. This is a big one. Both uh, Harry and Ron and Hermione in the second year use it. Mad-Eye Moody, sorry, Barty Crouch Jr. uses it in uh, year four. And Draco, Crab, and Goyle use it in uh, book six as well, not to mention, I think again, in book seven with uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione in the ministry. That's Polyjuice, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they literally become those ministry officials. And Harry uses it in Cursed Child, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is definitely one of the most popular temporary potions as well. You can become somebody else for an hour with a bit of them. So you need, like, uh, DNA. Like, I mean, DNA is, you know, scientific. You just need, like, hair or probably... Um, we've never really seen it used with anything other than hair, right? Like a fingernail, I assume, would do it, too. Probably. Something with DNA in it. But... What always surprises me about this potion is that nobody seems to be able to tell the difference. Nobody is able to discern that the person isn't actually who they appear to be. I think the way you do it is through those security questions, though, that like the Order of the Phoenix sets up, right? Because there's a number of ways 
like going back to the quote from J.K. Rowling, where she's like, some potions replicate the effects of spells, etc. Like, I think there are probably both spells. Oh, yeah. In Cursed Child, Harry spells himself to look like, or Hermione spells Harry to look like Voldemort. There's a number of ways to look like somebody else, but like only the person themselves would know the answer to security questions. So I think that's the way you tell the difference is by asking them things that only the real person could know. Has there been an official answer on how Grindelwald disguised himself in Fantastic Beasts? Because I know David Yates said it's Polyjuice and J.K. Rowling said something else, didn't she? Yeah, I don't think it was directly contradictory, but it was she. Well, what Rowling explained was why Newt was able to use like she said it was just like some ridiculous like Revelio or something like that. It's like super easy seeming spell to get rid of this madman, like most wanted criminals disguise entirely but i think it had something to do with him being caught off guard maybe he could like prevent it with random people who would just be like guessing revelio at him honestly i'm surprised that not every magical building in the wizarding world has like a um thief's downfall sort of thing like gringotts has where it washes away all your enchantments but i guess i have a feeling that maybe some wizards like rely on enchantments to survive like if somebody has like a magical pacemaker sort of thing and i will say the polyjuice potion it's leaned on a little too much throughout the harry potter series as a plot device for jk rowling to use i love it i think it's very clever and by the way it's a thrill to watch in the cursed child it's actually extremely impressive how they pull it off but it has been used a little too much and i think cursed child as a plot device, it was finally pushing it too far. Then again, the Chris Child is like, it serves as entertainment and it's a cool visual. So, And one other moment. I don't know, Eric, if you mentioned this, but the Seven Potters, that whole scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, we just talked about like seven or eight times where Polyjuice has been used. Yeah, it's a good potion. And we're actually, it's such a good potion. We'll be talking about it in our patron question of the week later on. But let's move on here. We have, of course, the Wolfsbane potion. This is only used, I mean, a bunch of times, but just by one person, by Remus Lupin to sort of wait out, to ride out the full moon. The effects of the full moon do not change a werewolf into wolf form during the full moon if you take it and if you take it well and often. And the potion, which is apparently we learn in book three, very difficult to make is made by Snape to to keep Remus Lupin at bay. This one is very helpful, very practical. We respect this. And I actually like that because it's kind of like, you know, modern medicine. We didn't always have NyQuil and DayQuil. So, good stuff. Well, when you mentioned the flu shot, I wondered, like, is the flu shot, does it work on wizards and witches? Do they have their own? I wonder. Is there something like to prevent dragon pox, for instance? She did say that only wizards can get dragon pox, too. Like, that's a strain of virus that only wizards get. So there's definitely stuff going on with, like, wizard blood that, yeah, I, I think there would be specific medications for it, for sure. I'm tweeting J.K. Rowling from the MuggleCast account. Do wizards get flu shots? Tweet. Okay. What would happen if they did? We'll get an answer soon. So Wolfsbane Potion helps out our friend Remus Lupin, which is great. The moon is still very uncomfortable for him, but he's able to maintain some semblance of self, which is pretty cool. And then uh, moving on, we got Sleek Easy's Hair Potion. This is like shampoo for wizards, but there's probably one or two additional magical taming elements 
Sleek Easies is like the one thing that you just hear in the background. Like whenever J.K. Rowling needs to showcase some minor aspect of the Wizarding World, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write an ad in a Daily Prophet and be like, Sleek Easies hair potion for the Witcher wizard with messy hair. I thought this was going to be like for hair loss. Like Rogaine. Like Moody uses Sleek Easies. Right. Rogaine or something. It'd be cool if it just gave you an entirely new hairstyle. Like here in the Muggle world, I don't use these hair growth things, thank God, but... I assume it just kind of replaces the hair that you once had. Whereas it'd be cool if Sleek Easies or another product by Sleek Easies gives you an entirely new hairstyle. Maybe one that you decide. Like you, you st- speaking of Polyjuice Potion, you steal somebody's hair and then you put it in to Sleek Easies hair potion and then I don't, you drink it and then you get somebody else's hair. That'd be cool. Because sometimes I look at people and I'm like, oh, Damn it. Why can't my hair look like that? Yeah, I did look it up and it is actually I want your potion as well, Andrew. This is uh, the something really cool about Sleek Easy's hair potion is that it was developed by James Potter's grandfather. No, James's father. This is the reason Harry has so much money, according to Pottermore, is Fleamont Potter, father of James and grandfather of Harry Potter, quadrupled the family gold by inventing Sleek Easy's hair potion. It's crazy. And actually, I'm reading now that Harry's ancestors also invented the Pepper Up Potion and the Skelligro Potion. So even though Harry's not good at potions at all, his family totally is. And it is said that uh, Sleek Easy's hair potion, two drops, tames even the most bothersome Barnet. It's suitable for all hair types, and it was particularly effective at taming bushy, unruly hair. Well, why didn't James or Harry ever use it? I know! They liked their hair. That's the thing. If you like your hair, you, you don't use it, but... Greg, I think you found, like, the biggest plot hole ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if James Potter's own father didn't, you know, it's a trademark characteristic, but it was mentioned, J.K. Rowling said that after the books came out. I mean, they they have to have cartons of it in their Gringotts bank. Enough about hair potions. We have the shrinking solution next, and then the swelling solution. So this is like the honey I shrunk the kids potion and it also seems to de-age you interestingly enough this is sort of like an aging thing the swelling solution is what or shrinking solution is what snape puts on trevor in one of the potions classes i forget which book where he's taunting neville and it turns trevor into a tadpole so it somehow has like de-aging properties as well which is very very interesting but not much is known about it except that it has an opposite in the swelling solution. By the way, people have been chiming in on Patreon as they listen live. Sarah said about the aging potion we were talking about earlier, aging to get out of the responsibilities of being a child, like school, living with parents, etc. Well, your parents still know who you are and how old you are, and you haven't gained any maturity that would allow you to convince other people that you're not actually older. Short of passing for an older person in a crowd, I don't know that that uh, would work. Jennifer says, maybe just as a general disguise for some reason, or playing a prank on a friend who got knocked unconscious. (laughs) Make them think they've been (laughs) sleeping for like 10 years. The equivalent of, oh my God, can you imagine giving someone aging potion? That'd be funny. And doing like a Rip Van Winkle. (laughs) I'm trying to think when I would age up, when I would want to. I can't think of anything. Yeah. So it's like so the aging potion is like the equivalent of a Sharpie on the face. Right? And then we have healing potions. We have the blood replenishing potion. 
that is very useful. It could be used in the muggle world as well. And he used it uh, St. Mungo's to uh, heal Mr. Weasley after he's attacked by the snake. Yeah, the Mandrake Drought, what's that do? That restores, that is a very specific to book two function. It restores people who've been petrified. Ah, of course, of course. Yeah, but I'm unclear on other ways in which people would become petrified. There must be several because year two, Professor Sprout, who is not expecting the Chamber of Secrets to be opened, and presumably people weren't petrified back in 1952, happens to be working with mandrakes. And that's like the whole year was devoted to studying mandrakes even before people started getting petrified by the basilisk accidentally. So I don't know what other ways you'd become petrified, but mandrake draft is very restorative. It was very highly convenient that they would be studying the uh, potion that would be needed, or the ingredients, I guess you would call the mandrakes, to the potion that would be needed in order to cure the people that would be petrified. Who would have known that the Chamber of Secrets would have been open? Maybe it was Dumbledore's plan. <laughs> it could have been. So you're saying Dumbledore was the one who really opened the Chamber of Secrets? Well, you never know. <laughs> well, if you talk to Eric, it sounds like Dumbledore had this master plan in place that Really, I mean, put Harry in jeopardy every single year. Pig for slaughter. Pig for slaughter, yeah. That's a, I don't even remember having that opinion. That goes way back. But next up on the list, Pepper Up Potion. It turns out, you know, I looked this up. You always hear about it. It's here and there in the Harry Potter books. This potion cures the common cold, you guys. Finally, Skelligro, which I loved. The bottle alone, amazing. It's got a skeleton on it. It is one of those really cool props in Harry Potter. And then these other potions the uh, come into play later in the series, and they get more interesting. The mental alteration potions, alteration potions, Amortentia, uh, which creates an infatuation or an arousal. The Euphoria Elixir, kind of self-explanatory. Veritas Serum. Big deal. Very big deal, yeah. Also the name of a Harry Potter fan site back in the day. And then there's insight potions like Gregory's favorite. Felix Felicis. Yeah, Felix Felicis gets a category of its own in our discussion. Like, there's really not... We've definitely, definitely talked about it before because it was strictly a book six thing which had just come out. But you seem to be dealing with the scientific physics concept of what, like, uh, quantum reality to be able to affect and change your your luck or to have sort of an inside voice which is somehow in tuned into the inner workings of of nature and reality and existence itself. Just one of the most interesting potions. You almost wouldn't expect it to exist, but, and like JK Rowling, I feel was pretty bold introducing it so late in the game, but we see a lot of it for the short time that we have it in book six and seven. We really, really do see a lot and it seems to work. So that's great. If we each had the opportunity to have Felix Felicis once, what would we use it for? Micah, what would you use it for? It's a tough question. It's a big question. I have my answer. What? Blackjack. Blackjack. Yeah, I was going to kind of say something similar involving money. It would just be the the lottery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like what numbers? Like, oh, I'm feeling 13. I'm feeling 24. Yeah. I'm feeling the lost numbers. Oh, that's they won the Powerball. That's amazing. Because you could turn that into huge wealth, and then use that for something else. Yeah, definitely for me, sitting at a blackjack table, should I stay or should I hit, you know, that kind of thing. I feel like having Felix on my back would be would be great. 
Greg, as it's your favorite potion, what about you? Uh, maybe as I was submitting my Slug Club co-host form, so they've got it on sooner. <laughs> <laughs> real, real answer though, yeah, Blackjack, for sure. <laughs> I mean, anything involving money. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think we're in agreement there. There should just be a potion to make money, you guys. That's a good alternative. There would have been, but Jake Herling really didn't need that as a plot device at any point, so. That's true. She hasn't told us about it yet. Okay, just a few more potions here. I'm going to go out of order than what they are in the dock because some of them are less important than others. You use a potion to convert photographs, muggle, non-moving photographs into real photographs. This is mentioned very, very briefly, but there is a potion. I don't really know. It's like, um, I guess on film, it's like developing film. And rather than developing it in water, question mark, question mark, acetane, question mark, I don't really know the process. Use a potion instead. So that's kind of cool. And then, of course, there's the death potion. We saw this in Fantastic Beasts. It's called the death potion in the script book. We're unclear, as we were in our Fantastic Beasts commentary and review, exactly what the death potion does. I mean, we think it kills you. But it seemed to also have some kind of memory aspect, because when Tina is floating above it it seems like the medi witch or the executioner lady kind of throws something or you shoots her wand at it and then it immediately kind of or it's she puts tina's memories in it and then the death potion reflects like on the surface kind of like a pensive memories from her life that might ease her into submitting to death Again, question mark, question mark. It's a potion. It's listed as well, one on the We discussed that previously. I think it, for me, I interpreted it more as like, yes, you do submit more to death because you were in a better mood looking back at your life experiences. Yeah. It has some kind of bewitching. That might be one of the potions that's like aromatic. Like when you breathe it, it kind of gives you some of the effects more so than drinking it. And then actually drinking it will kill you. So pretty cool. Voldemort's restorative potion. This is the second to last one we'll be talking about. This is what was in the cauldron when Wormtail cut his arm off, put his arm in the potion. So we know one of those ingredients, <laughs> the flesh of uh, a servant willingly provided the blood of an enemy. Da, 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 da. It's all in Goblet of Fire. For more information, read that chapter. Right. And uh, Andrew said that he's going to be uh, willingly providing his blood at the uh, studio tour in London because they're going to feature the resurrection of Voldemort at some point during the tour. I will do that for the grand opening. I figure I shouldn't do it like 50 times a day. That's probably not very healthy. That's but not healthy, no. For the grand opening, I will do it. And I'll sing the Elixir of Life song. I think that should at least get you a free tour, right? You should. They should let you come through as many times as you want that week if you're going to willingly sacrifice yourself in that way. Do they have a St. Mungo's set that I can go and recover and <laughs> no because it wasn't in the movie yeah you can hang out with lockhart who wasn't in the movie either yeah oh god and then uh last but not least there's a potion that we actually we see t- we, n- we know a number of people who've taken it it's the potion that is found in voldemort's cave and it's in the pensive or not the pensive it's in the the stone basin with the runes around it that's not a pensive this cave potion is used by voldemort to protect his Horcrux, the Locket Horcrux. And it's such an interesting potion. I feel like in addition to whatever potion it is, there's also spells on it. Remember, this is the potion that you can't just pour out. You can't like scoop it. You have to drink it. Otherwise, Uh, it keeps replenishing. uh, Oh, keep it going. Uh. I'm 
chills down my spine. Oh, yeah. We have some understanding, and and by the way, thanks to uh, Netta Atabani for uh, recommending that we talk about this. I had considered not doing it because we don't know really what it does, but I think basically it's. Rowling has said as much in interviews that Voldemort, when he's talking about like take me, not her, or have it be me, or why can't it be me, he's arguing with somebody over the fate of Ariana. Something about his sister, something about Aberforth is tormenting him mentally. He's either reliving flashbacks or just something very weird is going on. And Voldemort intends with in making this potion, I assume this potion is completely unique, and that Voldemort, much like how Snape can create spells, Voldemort made this potion completely to suit his own needs. It just is meant to really honestly like debilitate you until something like the Inferi can get you do you think though that it's actually a memory that is being brought back to the surface or do you think it's just something that the person who is taking it is experiencing and they cannot tell the difference between what is real and what is not real it could certainly induce hallucinations as something like completely separate from being memories and then because dumbledore is so tormented by what happened with his sister and his family, that that would be what he sees. I buy that 100%. Because didn't Creature take it as well? Creature did take it. And it permanently affected Creature's, mo- not mobility, aut- what is it, auto, your ability to talk, lo- uh, motor skills. Like his, um, there's some lasting damage. And I'm pretty sure we would have seen lasting damage on Dumbledore too, had there not been a, a, an untimely demise that occurred shortly thereafter. Do you think it would do the same thing to anyone who took it? Because what if the person didn't have as traumatic an experience as Dumbledore did? I think it still would. It just wouldn't maybe uh, be as traumatizing. But I think the potion would still draw from that person's worst experiences. Yeah, or like you're, maybe you hallucinate your enemies are coming to get you or that you're in an unwinnable situation. Everybody sort of has, we're joined in our common fears in that way. And I think that's probably what that does. I fear nothing. I could swallow <laughs> this potion, no problem. Give it to me. I'm actually the worst with bad tasting drinks. I make faces and I would be terrible. And I think that's basically like also there's an element of Crucio in it where it's just like intense pain when you're drinking as well, in addition to whatever other effects you're going through. So it's a nasty, nasty potion. Moving on to some general questions about potions. Would we be good at making potions if we were wizards? No. No. Why? Apparently not. We can't even make... Oh, if we're wizards, I got you. Follow instructions carefully. If you're cautious, if you double-check things, if you're patient, then yes, you you should be able to cook or make a potion. Why, Greg, do you think you wouldn't be good? I couldn't fry Nick to save my life. I don't think I'd be any any good at it. I think I'd be like Seamus with it, just a particular proclivity for pyrotechnics. Or like uh, olive oil. I thought they meant lantern oil. (laughs) Practice makes perfect. I believe everybody could brew a potion one day. It reminds me of chemistry class, which I don't think I was particularly good at. So, But I agree with you, Andrew. I think if you just have that attention to detail, even if it takes you a couple tries, I think people could be good at making potions. And a positive attitude. Go into a good attitude, people. That's right. Have some coffee beforehand. Get your... uh, caffeine levels up and just go for it i'm starting to think about now meal delivery kits in the wizarding world like owls that deliver like your blue apron or like even takeout like delivery pizza delivered by owls would be pretty fun jake early once tweeted that uh voldemort uses 
Blue Apron. Really? He just yeah, he's busy. He doesn't have time. Wait, so. is that a real thing? No. Oh, I was. <laughs> you can't joke about things like that, Andrew. <laughs> See, that's the unfortunate state of affairs with J.K. Rowling's Twitter. It's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility for her to say that. So Eric believed it. It was quoted in that book with the fake J.K. Rowling tweet. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, See the house editions for more scandal. Moving along, which potion does each host wish we could have in real life? Well, I think that's, that's similar to what you're asking down below, right? If we could create our own potion, what would it do? Would it be easier or difficult to make? It's kind of the same question, right? I would take Felix. I, yeah, I, w- I would choose Felix. I think I would too. Or Sleek Easy's hair potion if it can make me absorb somebody else's hairstyle. So you're saying just something that we could have on us day in and day out. Yeah. I think Polyjuice would be useful. Yeah. Has anyone ever, this is getting personal maybe, maybe a little too personal. Was, it, was there ever a time when somebody was like, I wish I had some Veritas serum on me right now? Yeah. No, definitely. I think Veritaserum is the one where it's like you're very much against somebody's will. Well, I guess not if they're consenting to like take a polygraph, right, is what it is. You're giving something to someone that forces them to tell the truth. You could see many a, a relationship or when whenever there's a situation without trust where somebody would non above board give somebody Veritaserum. Is it ever above board, though? I It is a form of torture, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's like taking a polygraph, right? If you can consent to being tested. So I feel like it's not always non. Well, I think a polygraph, though, you're able to kind of trick the system. Whereas it seems like with Veretta serum, that is not the case, at least from what we have been told by certain but I mean, characters. But I mean, if series. you're really innocent, like if you really didn't do it, you don't know who done it. If you're trying to prove your innocence or your allegiance yeah. to someone. Yeah, you could be like, oh, I'll, I'll yeah. Give me some Veritas here. I'm like, seriously, I'll take it. And then they do. And then you're like, yeah, I know nothing. I got nothing. And they'll be like, oh, I guess we were wrong. Yeah, but that's one side of the coin. The other side is you're forcing somebody to take it in a certain set of circumstances because you believe that they're not telling you the truth or you want specific information from them. That goes to Andrew's point of it being some kind of torture. Yeah. I think most potions are value neutral, but Veritaserum is definitely – Veritaserum and um, Amortentia are definitely the two where it's like – no, this is not a good idea. Like this is, it's coercion and it's not consensual. So it's, it's pretty bad. I wanted to know how many times Polyjuice Potion will be used in Fantastic Beasts. And does anybody want to make a bet now? I'm guessing like two or three more times. Yeah, I think that's probably, I mean, we have four more films coming. I think it's probable we'll see it two or three more times. I just hope it's the book version and not the movie version of Polyjuice where they don't still have their old voices because that does not make a lick of sense. I'm sorry. I'll go with two. Two. Do we believe in potions in real life? Do you mean modern medicine? Yes, I believe in modern medicine. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I would say yes, but I can't make them according to J.K. Rowling, so uh, I don't know if I should believe in them then. But if you could make a potion, Micah, like a completely new potion that didn't exist at all, what would it be? So, like, this isn't which potion in the Wizarding World would you choose, but what effect would you like to accomplish with a brand new potion that say that you were a wizard or that you could or that muggles could make a potion? What would you do? Yeah. So uh, I thought a little bit about this and, and it kind of ties into one of the ones that was listed above dreamless sleep. Uh, I guess it's a version of that, but I would create a potion so that all you'd have to do is take it the night before and you just wake up perfect the next day at whatever time you wanted to wake up. So let's say you had to get up for work at six o'clock in the morning. You make it a specific way to wake up at six o'clock in the morning. 
You take it and that's it. You wake up feeling great, refreshed, ready to go. You need to wake up at 7.45, same thing. Whatever the ingredients are, you just tweak them so that it wakes you up at that specific time. That's actually the exact thing I was about to say. Really? <laughs> because I have sleeping problems and I sometimes I wake up too early and I can't go back to sleep. So that would be perfect. That's great. It's sort of like uh, the potion equivalent of an alarm clock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Except you're guaranteed a good night's sleep. I would actually do a potion for long-term memory. I actually have pretty bad memory. There's definitely just things I just completely forget over time. So something that would improve memory retention and, you know, allow me to better remember maybe even like the exact details of conversations and things like I just, I don't have a good memory. So would you have to regularly take it to have a good memory? Yeah. If I started taking it and like I had like um, a better Because like weeks blend together for me, you know, just in general, like anything two or three weeks ago or longer that happened is sort of like a blur. And I don't remember which days of the week certain things happened on and stuff. So I would would definitely be like a daily potion. And then I would just improve and I'd be able to like maybe even like over time through taking it, you'd remember like really insane details about specific faraway events in the past. Just like the more you take it, the better it improves your memory. Like if it builds up the part of the brain that stores memory and like just kind of makes it a little bit more polished and shiny. Mine would be called Motivado and it would be a motivating potion that gets you through the day and keeps you focused like a wizard's version of Adderall or Ritalin. Oh yeah, focus potion. That'd be cool. Yeah, but called Motivado. I like that. Were we supposed to name ours? Is that... Part of well, it. if you're fun like me, yeah. Mine is called Memorado. <laughs> Mine's called Wakey Uppy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a little more on potions in a second, but this week's show is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. If you're hiring, every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Right candidates are out there, and ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MuggleCast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash MuggleCast. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. All right, Michael, what do you ask our patrons this week? So uh, over on Patreon, we asked the question, who would you want to turn into with a bit of Polyjuice Potion? And uh, I will say most popular answers included J.K. Rowling and Donald Trump. But not necessarily for reasons you'd expect. Exactly. And I will keep those answers over on Patreon for the time being. And I went with some of the more original answers. Not that they weren't good, but just for political reasons, I think we can leave some of them out. We heard from Stephanie Martin, who said, it would be fun to be Tonks. One, because she's awesome. And two, you could disguise yourself once you were her, and then you could be anyone. I think that's like the equivalent of wishing for more wishes, the, the Polyjuice equivalent. I don't think she can be anybody. I think she always has to be her, but she can change her own appearance. And uh, it's interesting, though, how certain people interpreted this question because 
some opted for people in the wizarding world, others opted for people in real life. Matt said, I know this is a family-friendly podcast, but I'd have to say whoever Emma Watson is dating for reasons. <laughs> All right, Matt, see what you're after. Yeah, this is one of the more common reasons anyone in the real world would use Polyjuice Potion, I'm assuming, to hoodwink somebody into sleeping with them. Irvin said, Joe Rowling's best friend, so I can have a good long conversation with her about all my unanswered questions in Harry Potter. I love this. I absolutely love this by Irvin. He didn't go for J.K. Rowling. He went for her best friend just to have a good conversation and be let in on the details. Megan Poehler, fudge. So I could take his place early on and stop shit from happening. Voldy would be defeated way sooner. I like that, Megan. Nice work. Alicia Mason, since we can only take the physical form of another person with Polyjuice Potion and not actually have access to their mind, I would choose to be moody so I could experience what having that mad eye would be like. Well, eye emoji. I like that. I think that's very interesting. Next one. Hannah says, I'd be one of Harry's kids so I could tell him he named them terribly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jewel wants to be Celestina Warbeck because she would be so fun. In the real world, someone at WB who has the power to recast Grindelwald. <laughs> Bless you, Jewel. Chris, Lucius Malfoy, pre-order of the Phoenix, and it's not even close. Rich, powerful, able to turn the machinations of Malfoy Manor towards the side of light. And let's be real, Narcissa is bewitching. And finally, we heard from uh, Katie Haley. Ooh, here's a mind fork. What if you had a hair from your younger self? Could you become a kid again for an hour? I'd be all for that. Well, there's always de-aging potion. I don't think so, because if it's about your DNA, does your DNA hold your current age? No, but that's where the magic comes in, right? Because I think when Harry and Ron take it, for instance, like to become Crab and Goyle, they are aged to... Crab and Goyle's exact age, right? They're not a younger or older Crab and Goyle. I guess if Crab and Goyle are roughly their same age, it wouldn't make a difference. But like Ministry of Magic, for instance, those people, like they become an adult if they have a hair from an adult. So I think it would work based on age. But to be a kid again is a great like answer in terms of just feeling like she wouldn't become anybody else but herself when she was younger. I like that a lot. Just being small and light and run around and have all the energy in the world and eat all the cupcakes. Thanks everybody who submitted those over on patreon.com slash mugglecast. We have voicemails in a moment, but first we have one more sponsor this week. They are Blue Apron. Listen up, Voldemort. They are the leading meal kit delivery service in the United States. And while many people know what they do, many don't know about the types of meals you eat when you cook with Blue Apron, like quick bucatini with broccoli and pecorino cheese and Italian-style shrimp and sweet pepper. With incredible ingredients and chef-designed recipes, Blue Apron lets you see what the power of food can do. And signing up for Blue Apron is so simple. They give you a couple different plan options. There's a personal meal plan and the family plan. I'm on the two-person meal plan, and you get to choose what meals you're receiving. And this is one of my favorite parts about this. You're shopping, you're food shopping at home. In fact, Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week, You can then pick two, three, or four recipes based on what best fits your schedule. So it's flexible. And speaking of your schedule, it's even more flexible than that. You're under no pressure to commit to every week. If you're going to be away for a week, 
or just think you won't have the time to cook on a given week, you can easily skip a delivery, no problem. I love Blue Apron. I just moved into a new place. I'm so excited to get my first meals here and start cooking in my new kitchen. I want you to try Blue Apron. Get these fresh pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door. Blue Apron is treating MuggleCast listeners to $30 off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash MuggleCast. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash MuggleCast. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. Let's listen to some voicemails. We've got some good ones here. Hey, MuggleCast. Gurishma here from Philadelphia. I was just re-watching Goblet of Fire because it's spring break and I'm just trying to de-stress, but I feel like I did the opposite of that by watching Goblet of Fire and watching Cedric literally die. I wanted to know, maybe you guys already talked about this since I'm a pretty new follower of MuggleCast, but what do you think of the cursed child saying that if, you know, after everything, after they went back in time, that Cedric would have become a Death Eater. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Sorry if you've already addressed it. Anyways, um, can't wait for tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. So I don't really love the, and I know that upset a lot of people, the idea that Cedric would have become a Death Eater because he was so humiliated by his goblet of fire tournament loss does anybody else buy that i the hufflepuff in me was severely offended by that absolutely thank you greg it's it's the opposite of what a hufflepuff is honestly loyal loyal well here's the quote from uh, dumbledore at the end of goblet of fire over cedric's death he was a good and loyal friend a hard worker he valued fair play and there's more about him being like a good boy a soft boy you know, whatever, in the movie, whatever he says. But yeah, I don't buy it for one second. I think it's the single gravest offense J.K. Rowling caused by allowing Cursed Child to be a thing. And I say that not only as a Hufflepuff, but actually, no, I'm going to be honest. I say that as a Hufflepuff. She can't stop just to insinuate that somebody as pure as Cedric Diggory. Remember, this is somebody that the all-knowing, ever-seeing Goblet of Fire chose as the champion for Hogwarts based on his character. Somebody who is so easily thwarted and offended and then all of a sudden turns evil and wants to cause mass destruction, basically a school shooter type, would not be chosen by the Goblet of Fire, period. But speaking of Cedric's death scene, it's so much sadder in the movie than it is in the book. Because Cedric, in the book, like both of his parents are there and there's like a lot of confusion. But then in the movie... There's this very focused scene where it's just, right, Cedric's dad is going, my boy, where'd my boy go? It's so sad. Like, oh my gosh. So I can see why this person who called in was uh, upset after watching. Here's the quote, by the way, the ending quote. Remember, Cedric, remember, if the time should come when you have to make the choice between what is right and what is easy, remember what happened to a boy who was good and kind and brave because he strayed across the path of Lord Voldemort. Remember Cedric Diggory. Next voicemail. This is short and sweet. Hi, this is Caleb from Indiana. I have a question about Sirius Black. Why didn't he stab his mom's portrait like he did the fat lady? I feel like that would have made life so much easier in the order. Thanks for everything that you guys do. Bye. <laughs> Why didn't he just stab his mom? Yeah. It would have been an easy, easy solution. It's It was right in front of us all along. 
I think that's a great voicemail. She served as a character. <laughs> she served as an annoyance in the in the Black House. I think, too, I don't think that portraits need uh, hydration the way that humans do. The reason I bring that up is she probably would have just screamed and kept screaming forever ad infinitive until somebody restored her uh, canvas. Yeah, she didn't seem like the type of woman who would uh, run away from her portrait. Plus, Creature probably would have come along and restored her in some capacity. Maybe. No, you don't think so? I don't know how it's done. Like, it takes Fat Lady a couple weeks, or it takes um, Dumbledore and whatever crew of artists or restorers to come in and fix the Fat Lady in book three. And the chapters we're currently reading, by the way, over on Patreon. I just don't know if House Elf could do it. I don't know that he couldn't, but I don't know that he could. In my head, I'm like, well, Sirius, if he did that and she wouldn't stop screaming, would have had to make an appointment with like the nearest art restorers. And in London, it's a big town. And surely they're booked up for months. And so for a month, Grimald Place would just be horrible to live at. No, but I think to Andrew's point, it kind of just added to Grimald Place. And it was another reminder that the Order of the Phoenix probably shouldn't have had their headquarters there. No, I oh well no it was just it was just a an example of not of sometimes having to do difficult things or sometimes the best place is in the house of an enemy or that kind of thing. The reason that I said that though is if you think about all the things that follow in sequence from them being there they probably could have picked a different place maybe the same outcome would have happened but you think of the betrayal of Sirius by creature there's a lot of things that come with them spending time in that house. Yeah. I mean, location, location, location. All right, next voicemail. Hi, MuggleCast. This is Taylor from Atlanta. Love your podcast. I just, y'all mentioned on a previous episode that you might be doing an interview with the people that made the cinema concerts. So wanted to request that you ask a question for them. Wanted to, I just want to know if they're going to do all eight films or if this is, or if they're just ending it at a random movie. Harry Potter 7 Part 1 is my favorite movie, so I would really like to see them do that movie. Again, love the show. Can't wait to listen to you again. Thanks, bye. We are working on that interview. It's been a bit of a scheduling. We've had some scheduling issues. It will come together. I think it's safe to say they are going to do all eight movies. Yeah, I've, I've read that somewhere. That is already out there in the world, so nothing to worry about. One more voicemail. This responds to our fudge discussion. Hey, MuggleCast. It's Alexa from St. Louis. Long-time listener, and I love your show. I travel a lot for work, and the podcast makes long drives through rural Missouri pretty bearable. Anyway, I was just listening to episode 355, and I had some thoughts about your segment on Fudge. So I'm rereading Order of the Phoenix right now, and I agree with your character analysis of him. However, I think Fudge has the same trait many politicians today have, which is complete blissful ignorance. Fudge denies Voldemort's return and supports all the Dumbledore Harry Potter propaganda that's published in the Daily Prophet, and he's a coward for not seeing all the evidence of his return. But I definitely think that as a politician, Fudge does not want to disturb the longtime peace or incite fear in his supporters in the wizarding community. But like the present POTUS, I think Fudge tries to cater to a specific audience instead of being objective and matter-of-fact to the general wizarding community about the facts and happenings. I 
think he tries to conceal any evidence of Voldemort's return throughout Order of the Phoenix. You know, he continues to deny the facts to the public. He places blame on Sirius Black, and he continuously refers to the delusion that Dumbledore wants to take control of the ministry. Anyway, I'd love to hear your all's thoughts, and love the show. Thanks. I think that was an interesting interpretation of Fudge, but I would also just point out that I think all politicians, whether it's the current POTUS or previous POTUS, they're all kind of catering to certain audiences yeah greg i'd be interested to get your thoughts on fudge and and just those comments that uh alexa made i mostly agreed with what you guys said on um your discussion he was just a really ignorant leader and i think dumbledore should have come down harder on him really i mean i know dumbledore was always afraid of the power and overstepping his boundaries and all that but it was for the fate of the wizarding world and he should have really whooped Fudge's behind on that. <laughs> Do you have any specific ideas for what he could have done? Not really, but I'm not Dumbledore. I'm sure he could have figured something out. I could have figured it out. Maybe he could have just been more outspoken. Maybe wrote an op-ed in the Daily Prophet if they were willing to publish it. He'd have to go in the quibbler, probably. But I liked what Alexa said, though, about blissful ignorance. I think that she's right, that... Many politicians here in in the U.S. today definitely are blissfully ignorant about important topics, and it's very concerning, but it's also very interesting to see those parallels between the real world and J.K. Rowling's world. Yeah, there's a real disconnect between what he sees as important issues and what, you know, the common folk are going through. And I think that's something that J.K. Rowling really nailed. Yeah, absolutely. We love getting voicemails. Feel free to call in at any time. one 4453 That's 19203 muggle Reminder about our 777-challenge. It is running now through March 31st. If we reach and surpass 777 patrons, we will offer a host of benefits one-time benefits the holiday movie commentary a two-hour plus live episode with lots of call-ins we'll do another harry potter movie commentary we're going to be this actually isn't part of whether we reach 777 or not we will be sending out all five dollar plus patrons a mug old cast mug the design of which will be on mugglecast.com as of monday And, of course, if we hit this threshold, we'll be doing this live video stream live from New York City. Plus, there's a host of other benefits over at patreon.com slash mugglecast. Thanks to everybody who supports us over there, including Greg. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's now good. I'm glad you had a good time. It's now like 1245 there. (laughs) It's been surreal. I don't mean to freak you guys out, but I've been listening to you guys since I was 11 years old. Oh, damn. Almost half my life. Wow. So that means you're 20... 21 this year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Wow. Well, uh, what's the drinking age there in Singapore? (laughs) It's uh, 18, so I don't need aging potion. (laughs) (laughs) Got it covered. 11 years um, old, that's crazy. How did you find the show at 11? My older brother actually listened to you guys, and I I used to take his iPod Classic, and I would listen to his downloaded episodes. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Let's do Quidditch real quick. Oh, yeah. 
Quizage. I always forget that. Why, Why do I keep, keep calling it Quizage? And Eric yeah. can never get the name right, even though it's his <laughs> segment. <laughs> it's thanks to Kyle, the Hufflepuff teacher, for coming up with this segment name that I consistently get wrong. Quizage. <laughs> Last week's question was: What is the core of Fleur Delacour's wand? What specifically is special about it? And the correct answer was that uh, Fleur, yep, Vila hair. Fleur's uh, wand core is Vila hair. And what's special about it is that it's actually from her grandmother, her grandmother. So her grandmother donated her hair. I guess this is a, a something that you can do in the wizarding world if you are a magical creature. So super special. And shout out to everyone who tweeted us. Uh, this is a game that you play over on Twitter. Kristen B., Stephanie M., Amanda M., Sean Brady, Hannah Banana, Ginny, Adrian, Haley, Burgundy Family, Tate Anderson, Vanessa, Joe, Valerie, Jason, Ninji, and Chloe. I guess I should pick a harder question because so many people got uh, last week's right. That brings us to this week's Quizzage question, you guys. This is a difficult one. Name the members of the advanced guard who show up and order the Phoenix to take Harry to Grimald Place for the first time. There are seven members, just FYI, and two of them are Remus and Moody. But who are the other five? pretty tough thanks everybody for listening thanks again greg for joining us i'm andrew i'm eric i'm micah and i'm greg see everybody next time bye 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 bye, bye.